Welcome to Hashtag Jazz, the family-friendly Grow a f***ing pair Podcast exclusively about Utah jazz basketball I hate this history class From two of the most Emotionally unstable Guys in the business And now, here are your hosts Jason Walker and Trey Sanders Hello Jazz Nation, welcome to Hashtag Jazz Thank you so much for tuning in and honestly, uh, I, I told Trey before we recorded this, I'm not sure I can do this, um, mostly because this team is trying to kill me, uh, or at least it feels like they are, just with the the inconsistency, and that's kind of going to be a theme here. Because I mean, last week, you, Trey, you talked about how you felt this team was on an up and up, or at least you know, kind of an upward trend. And I agreed with you, despite some of my pessimism. But they'd won four out of their last five games, a couple in you know, decently impressive fashion. But now they've done essentially the opposite. They've lost four out of their last five. And I don't know about you, Trey, but this this is just killing me. The, the one team, the other team, the Jazz have a Jekyll and Hyde complex. Like, like I guess I'm ranting about how I felt. Like, what's it been like for you this this last few games? I feel like I spoke too damn soon. <laughs> I mean, the the writing was on the wall, yeah, but oh my gosh! I mean, I I don't I did not even begin to believe that um, we were going to go into San Antonio and win another game, especially because of how much pride those guys would have played with, anyways. But um, I expected more of a fight out of uh, uh, in OKC that was not true and then we had the, we had the awesome uh, shellacking against Miami and then we go to Mexico City and where were we I mean I didn't even see them at the game did you see anybody there I like no I, I'm, I'm honestly I'm pretty sure both offenses got lost in customs like something happened because now the team decided to play offense the jazz didn't do diddly jack uh and it's just like, you know, both teams will just score at halftime, like 35, 32 or something. Oh, yeah, like, something, something low as hell. Yeah. I, 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 I'm going to cover a high school game tonight, and that might be the halftime score of that game. That's right. just, you, that's not NBA basketball. And the frustrating thing about this is that one day, you know, one night, the Jazz look like an NBA team. And it's not just when they're facing a completely lacking everyone Miami team that's, you know, is only starting like seven players on their bench, but you know they'll have impressive games even against good teams. But then they'll just completely not show up, and just this inconsistency, inconsistency. I, I don't know how many times I'm gonna have to say that word before maybe it'll sink into the Jazz. Uh, there was one article uh, that, that we both read uh, talked about are the Jazz like the most inconsistent team in the NBA, and the uh, the answer is yes, by far. Like, when you look at how they play in wins versus how they play in losses, the swing is night and day. It's almost like solar eclipse versus, you know, standing next to the sun kind of night and day difference. Just their, their point differential, their shooting percentage, just everything about this team changes. You know, it's just one night, maybe they drink Michael Jordan's secret stuff, and the next day, they eat a pile of dog crap before the game. 
It just it makes no sense, Trey. Hey, you got to lay off the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Sit heavy in the stomach. I, I yeah, I, I I read that article and I was like, you know, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because either the Jazz are losing by an incredible amount or they're winning by an incredible amount. And then the shooting is so far all over the place that it's I, I don't even understand. I mean, we go from scoring 70 points in the paint against San Antonio at home, and I don't think we've even come close to matching that since. Yeah, and just, just everything about the shooting. You talk about shooting, we're one of the worst shooters, shooting teams in the league, and maybe it is like you mentioned getting 70 points in the paint and then not even getting close to that. Like, I don't expect to get 70 points in the paint every night. That's kind of one of those things that just happens every now and again for you know decent or so team. But it seems like the Jazz, maybe they're just changing it up. They don't know who they are. Like, it, it doesn't make sense that a team can play so well on one night but so poorly on another night and have this be a continual theme for 30-ish games or however many we've played. I think we're at 31 now or like 14 and 17. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one night to the next, maybe sure you have a bad night. And you end up shooting 20% from the field. Whatever. You have those games. But the Jazz are going just back and forth, back and forth. And maybe, do you think it's a lack of identity? Do you, the Jazz hit an identity crisis and that they don't know who they are? Yeah, I don't know, man. Because I'm, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no, no, I don't know. I, I mean, it's like the defense is on the uptick, which is promising still. To, like and that's been kind of something that they're they're showing more pride in. I mean, last night against Houston was a great example of that. The defense was there up until I think was it the third quarter. They kind of you know let them score about thirty two points in the quarter, but even still, you know it looked atrocious because they couldn't they couldn't make anything. I think it was I think they were lucky to score fourteen points in the second quarter last night. Um, so, I mean, your defense can do a lot for you as far as covering up your bad offense. But when your offense is atrocious, you can't do anything about it. And it was nice to see the way that they responded in the third quarter. Like, Donovan had a whole new energy coming out in the third quarter last night. And that was promising to see. But only so many people actually kind of grabbed onto his energy and rode with it. I don't know. I It's... It, <sighs> I don't know what else to say because this is kind of like and and as a lifelong jazz fan, if you're a listener or even myself, like you know that this is kind of like always been um, the jazz's mo is like there's games where we just play so well against these good teams and then the other bad teams come in and they beat us, and it's not to say that nobody prepares for us any differently. I mean they all know who exactly the personnel is on this team. Um, but I don't know if it's that necessarily the preparation against us because we can still impose our will. It's just I don't know if it's, they're confident enough in who they are. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I, I do remember just thinking that the Jazz have always seemed to play down to lesser opponents at times. Uh, it's just now it just doesn't matter who they're playing down or playing up to. It's just you know one day they'll shellac Miami and the next day they'll play down to, to Houston. So... I mean, th- I think something you, you said, you know, Donovan Mitchell, he came out you know, kind of in the second half with this new energy. And I think one thing we've just seen this season is that nobody's really helping each other on offense. When one guy has a good night, it seems to be like that's just it. 
the nights where we end up shellacking teams are the nights where like two or three guys have a good night. You know, Jay Crowder scores 20 points and actually shoots well. Donovan Mitchell goes for 30, and he also has Rudy Gobert getting 22, and Joe Ingles getting like 17 or something. Sure. It just seems like the good games are getting isolated, and and even then, just everybody we thought who's going to be good, like you look at Joe Ingles, uh, if you look at his season, his offensive rating has tanked, his defensive rating has gotten worse. Um, you know, he's still shooting 38% from three, which is if effectively the best on the team considering volume, but it's also down like 6% from last year. So it just feels like this team might be just collapsing under the weight of its own expectations. Like I said, the defense is shoring up. It's not as bad as it was early in the season. The, the offense just hasn't followed suit, and I don't know what's going to make it follow suit. Um, but maybe a couple of players, like we, we've talked, you know, for, you know, minutes and hours on end about making personnel moves. And a couple of rumor, I guess one rumored personnel move is that of Jabari Parker. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Trey. Um, we got a few before we recorded, but uh, Jabari Parker, there was uh, one report. I can't remember who exactly reported. I want to say it was like a Bulls beat writer or something. said that there have been initial talks. Well, it was the ringer, actually. They reported the Jazz have interest in Jabari Parker. Now, there's been conflicting rumors. There's some who said, I believe it was uh, Andy Larson, said there was nothing going on. So there's conflicting reports. But maybe the Jazz might have interest in Jabari Parker after Parker was effectively removed from the Bulls' rotation. Uh, so, Trey, what are your thoughts on uh, if the Jazz if the Jazz were to bring, let's say this is true, and the Jazz decided to bring Jabari Parker, do you think that would help at all? No. <laughs> I, I mean, nothing against Jabari. Like, I mean, he's had his share, fair share of injuries, and I'm not saying that he's injury prone. I mean, he's obviously, he's, I, I can't I don't even remember if he was really injured at all last year or not, but um, his shooting is not as good. I mean, we're looking for someone who can help alleviate the pressure from Donovan as far as being the go to option to score. Jabari Parker, I don't think, is that guy. He could get to the rim pretty much at will, which is nice, but that's not what we need. We need someone who could spread the floor. And I, I, I think when I saw his uh, shooting percentage, it was like 32.3 from beyond the arc. But uh, Plus, he's too expensive. He's way too expensive. Yeah, so I will agree that I don't think he's going to help. There's a possibility, but I don't think so. As far as being too expensive, he wouldn't actually be that expensive because I think, if I remember right, he's on a two-year deal and the second half of it is a team option. So I think it wouldn't be a bad thing salary-wise. But isn't it yeah, like so $20 million up front? Yeah, so it's $20 million this year, and it's a $20 million team option next year. So it's actually not that bad financial-wise. But I, I definitely agree with just about everything else you've said in that his what we need – because here's the thing, when you look at the Jazz when they start with Jay Crowder, they're just everything looks better. I don't know if it's a causation or correlation that when Jay Crowder starts, the Jazz just look better and seem to play better. I don't know why swapping out Jay Crowder for Derek Favors in the first three or four minutes of the game seems to cause that. Because their minutes basically stay the same and their roles are almost effectively the same. 
but Jay Crowder has not been a good shooter for the Jazz at all during his entire time with them. Yet the Jazz undeniably play better. Uh, Jabari Parker, if we're going to bring in a guy who would start at the four, you know, you look at Jabari Parker, he's a four. We need somebody who comes in and is obviously better. You think of Tobias Harris. Uh, some say Kevin Love. I'm not as high on Kevin Love as some others are. Um, I'll insert other power forward. I think Nikola Miritich um, is another name that people have brought up. you got to bring in somebody who's going to come in and make an obvious impact offensively the way that Jay Crowder can't. And I agree that Jabari Parker is not going to do that because he said his Jabari's uh, shooting percentage was like 32. It might have dropped. To, it's a 29 right now, according to basketball reference, so it might have gone down from the last time you saw it. Uh, and, yeah, just you look at his shooting percentages, they're bad this year. The last couple of years, he's 36 37% from three. He's a career about 34%. Um, but just he was removed from the Bulls rotation, which should tell you a lot. I mean, yeah, that means they're protecting that asset. Yeah. Well, the, the I mean, Bulls need every help they could possibly get. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that Jabari would, would help the Jazz. And I honestly don't think that the rumor is true that the Jazz are really going after him. And I, and I know some, you know, his, his connection to the LDS church is... It's kind of in that same way that Jimmer is always going to be connected to Utah. I know somebody on Twitter kind of brought this up. I think Jabari Parker and Jimmer are always going to be tied to the Utah Jazz somehow by fans just because uh, because of their connection to BYU or the you know the LDS Church. But I don't think he's coming here. He's not a defensive guy. He doesn't want to play defense, and he's not good at it. So... Uh, the the other player, unless you had any other thoughts, Trey, you you made your point quite clear though in the first word you said. But any other thoughts on Jabari? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Begin and end the same. Just no. <laughs> uh, the other guy, this there's not been any tie to the Jazz for this one. Uh, it was Austin Rivers, and this is another one where I just say no. But when I first saw it, I was like, maybe, because Austin Rivers. Now, the guy, I don't like him, but the Jazz just needs something at point guard because Ricky Rubio's just, he's kind of the poster child of Utah's inconsistency. One night he gets 25, shoots, you know, 100% from three, and the next night he's like three of 11 from the floor. Uh, so any sort of change or adjustment at point guard might give the Jazz something. But, I mean... And Trey, I'll ask you in a moment what you think, but uh, Austin Rivers' shooting percentages aren't exactly anything to look at either. You know, they're they're not making you smile at the prospect of signing Austin Rivers. But uh, Trey, did, did you see the rumors or that Austin Rivers was cut by the Suns and like think about him coming to the Jazz? I don't, uh, because I think Austin uh, Austin Rivers, I mean, he can be a great player, but it really depends on where he's going to land. I don't think that the Jazz is the spot for him. One, he's, I just don't think he fits into the culture, number one. Um, number two, um, he, well, I mean, he probably could play in a system. I mean, his dad, Doc, runs a system, so, I mean, he could definitely fit into something like that, but I don't think... 
I don't know. I really don't. I mean, Austin Rivers is one of those, you know, bring the, bring him off the bench type guys to kind of, I mean, shoot. I mean, I don't know if he's ever been that great at defense. He could do a spot up three pretty well. But again, I mean, out of these two players, I, I wouldn't take them. I wouldn't. They're not, they're not an asset to me. Yeah, I think that both of them would kind of scream quick fix. And the Jazz don't need a quick fix. They need a solution. And, yeah, I agree. Neither of these players really provides that. Kyle Korver, to be honest, that to me that kind of felt like the same way where it was this kind of quick fix. Maybe we'll see if this works. And it doesn't necessarily mean I don't think we should have traded for Kyle Korver. But it was if the Jazz were planning on making serious changes, that should be the first of what hopefully would be many changes in the near or not quite distant future. Um, see, I, I don't, I don't think the Jazz should bring in either of those players. But one thing that I want to talk about is, you know, the, where the Jazz sit right now. We've gone over this over and over. The fact that we're talking about trades, the inconsistency, it, something is clearly off with the Utah Jazz. I know a lot of people like to bring up the schedule. Fans are, you know, the schedule, the schedule, the schedule. Okay, sure, the schedule has been brutal. But it's undeniable, like any every way you look at it, the Jazz have clearly underperformed. The continuity didn't work. It was clearly a mistake, and you know, we, we've gone over that. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I thought it was a good idea at the time. We're not going to lie and say I thought it was a horrible idea from the get-go. Um, but it hasn't worked. So I think that the Jazz need to reevaluate their season. They need to reevaluate what they want out of the season. Because last year, I think they might have had this kind of moment last year, maybe where they were able to adjust something and they went on a crazy run and were able to get something from that season instead of just tanking and you know looking for a draft pick. But I think the Jazz need to look and say, hey, you know what, we're 14 and 17. We're not anywhere close to the number two seed in the West like some people thought we could be. We're the exact opposite. I think they need to look and say, let's set some realistic goals and meet those goals. They don't. I don't think they necessarily have to be winning goals, you know, winning games. I think they, the Jazz need to accomplish some things before the end of the season so that they can get something out of the season and go into next year with maybe some raised expectations, you know. Say, let's... You know, take another step. You know, go up the stairs on the, on the, the stairway to a championship. Um, so, yeah, and we talked about this before, Trey. Like, do you think there's something that you'd like to see this team accomplish? Something they they figure out by the end of the season. Like, what would you like to see out of the team? Consistency. <laughs> I mean, I look at the I look at the game last night against Houston, and like, that's one of those games that you could feasibly um, uh, forgive because of, you know, if, if they had been playing better, say they lost some tight games before then, um, and then they lost to Houston, vice versa, whichever. If the Jazz were more consistent and they lost that game last night, you could kind of forgive that loss because the Jazz played their butts off in the fourth quarter. I mean, they came out, they came back two different times. So they know that they know that they're capable of it. It's just, 
they need to show that they care. They, I, that's for me. It's consistency and doubling down on your defense. I would like to see the Jazz at this point. Like if just go for forty wins. As far as I am concerned, you know what I mean. Like, just get to forty. I'll forgive the fact that you're not making the playoffs this year, because at this point, like, I don't see that in their future. So, uh, I think kind of building on that. Obviously, I want to see some consistency. And one of the things I like to see is for the Jazz to find a way to make this team appealing to some key free agents. The sure. ones that I've I, I really got my eye on, you look at Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton, and I, I think there's a couple others. They're kind of in that wing, you know, forward, combo forward, maybe shooting guard. Uh, they would maybe push Donovan Mitchell the point guard. Uh, but I'd like to see the Jazz find a way to be appealing to free agents. And part of that is going to be wins. So I think getting to 40 wins, and this might require making the playoffs, but I think figuring out – a way to make it obvious that the Jazz, if they had one more piece, would be so much better. And they had this last year. It was just so obvious that the Jazz, if they were to add you know, one of those pieces, they could have taken a step forward. Instead, they thought, okay, we've got everything we need. We're going to take a step back and kind of wait it out. And it may have cost them some free agents because when you look at today's free agent market, I know a lot of people say that Utah isn't a popular free agent destination, and it's not. Uh, I'm not going to lie there. But you've seen free agents go to or stay in places that aren't great free agent markets. You look at Paul George, stayed in Oklahoma City uh, because there was a winning formula there. You know, I, I think there's a decent chance that Kawhi Leonard stays in Toronto. I'm not saying he will, but I think there's a decent chance because if they clearly establish a sort of winning formula there, they're the best team in the East right now, there's a good chance that he stays, despite the fact that he you know, supposedly clearly wants to go to L.A. I think you know, Chris Middleton and Tobias Harris, the fact that one's in Milwaukee and the other's playing for the less attractive Clippers, the less attractive Los Angeles team, you know, those two guys might stay because their teams have established some sort of winning formula. So I, I think if the Jazz can make it clear, again, they're going to have to fix something and kind of recapture you know, fire, recapture fire in a bottle or however that phrase goes. Lightning in a bottle, that's the, that's the phrase I'm thinking of. You know, recapture mm. lightning in a bottle that they did last year. Then I think they can become a free agent destination for the kind of second tier of free agents. They're never going to get... Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard and whatnot. But again, the Tobias Harris, the Chris Middleton. So I think if they can make themselves appealing to free agents, then there's a chance um, you know, that this season can be at least productive in that way. Yeah, but who do we pick up in free agency um, next year? I mean, we already we kind of glanced through the list of players. I don't see anybody that would really want to come over here out of that list. Well, see, those two are the, the only ones I can think of, and I'm already sketchy that any of them would want to leave anyway, because like I said, they're kind of in good positions. I don't know if any will come, but I think that that should be a goal of the Jazz, is to at least give it a go. Give the get old Kawhi Leonard. Try. Yeah, get Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> give him a call. Oh my god, he would change everything. Fire one of our broadcasters who insults Kawhi Leonard. Has anybody insulted Kawhi Leonard lately? Just fire somebody. Do what the Clippers oh. did. I don't know. I mean, he's got a weird laugh, but... 
Something like yeah, something like that. I mean, I could forgive him for that. The dude's just incredible at basketball. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I still think that for what you said, as far as a winning formula is concerned, I I think that the Jazz do have it. I mean, Quinn Snyder is a very intelligent man. He knows full well what he wants to get done. It's just his boys are not executing it, unfortunately. Um, I don't know. It's. I mean, here we are. We're only third of the way through the season, and we're talking about free agency again. It's just in. It's it's pretty weird to be in this situation. Um, but then again, I mean, crazier things have happened. Like last year, like you said, we had lightning in a bottle. But I'm gonna go back to what I said uh, last uh, episode. Rudy just needs to get injured. Yeah, maybe that something. I think last episode we just talked about the Jazz just need a kick in the pants. Yeah, I mean something something desperate needs to happen, where it was like, oh crap, we need to really play our asses off and really like show that we can play again. I'm what else? I don't I don't have the answer for this. I mean these guys know what they are. These guys know what they need to do. I just don't know if everyone's on that same connection. And I think putting Jay Crowder into the starting lineup is going to mix that up very well. And I I don't like that one game we have Favors starting, the next game we have Favors starting, and then the next game we have Jay starting, and then Favors is starting, and then Jay is starting. Like, I don't... Why does it have to be situational? Yeah, I think that might be feeding into some of the inconsistency. It's like, we don't know, you know, is Jay Crowder going to be in the starting lineup? Is he going to be hearing his name in the you know, and the, all the music and the fanfare and all that, it was going to be Derek Favors. And I think that maybe that indecision, you know, Quinn's like, and I don't know if, I just get like, this is such a jazz thing to do to not just bench Derek Favors when it's absolutely clear that that just needs to happen. Because the jazz have always been super nice to a fault to players and coaches. Just It just feels like where... They don't fire head coaches. I don't. When was the last time we actually fired a head coach? Like Ty ever? Corbin. We didn't. We didn't actually technically fire him. We didn't re-sign him. Hmm. Which was just the complete most jazz thing to do. The we're not going to, you know, fire him. We're just yeah. going to not bring him back. You know, they they didn't trade Al Jefferson or Paul Millsap. They just decided to let them walk in free agency. You know, Derek Favors, who has been almost a jazz legend to this point, you know, considering how long he's been here and, you know, the he's kind of a behind-the-scenes legend, I guess I should say. Um, but he's just been so great for this franchise that nobody's willing to bench him because, oh, he's Derek Favors and he's awesome. But that's what needs to happen. Maybe it's just this timid mindset that the Jazz are in, that Quinn Snyder's in, that they're not willing to make any significant change. Yeah, it's too much patience, too much uh, trustworthiness, which, I mean, is good, but when it becomes a fault, it's problematic. Yeah, that's the thing, is that you got to find some sort of balance between you know, being nice to your players, which is, I'm always behind that, I'm always behind being nice and courteous to players and all that, uh, but when you're giving... Dante Exum with $33 million or however much it was, I can't remember, and you're not going to play him significant minutes and not have him be a main stay in the rotation, that just feels like almost a pity or, you know, uh, 
Uh, pity is not the right word. Like a, you know, a slap in the face. No, just like a, you know, being too nice and saying, you know what, we're gonna this kind of potential contract. We're gonna give you a bunch of money because we think you're gonna be good for us in the future. It's like no, sign him for what he's worth. Yeah. And granted, they didn't do that with Gordon Hayward, so maybe I'm kind of off my rocker with this, but you know, it just some things just don't match up. Yeah, well, and we have a history, I mean, besides John and Carl, of not staying with the people that can take us the furthest. And that's, I mean, it's way too early to say this, but, I mean, it makes me worried about, one, is Donovan Mitchell going to want to stay here if they don't start putting necessary pieces around him and Rudy Gobert? Or... Are they going to make get to the point where Donovan becomes such a high commodity for the rest of the league that when time comes, they won't be able to match whatever the hell uh, amount of money another team throws at him? Or maybe worse yet, they do match it and exceed it, and they end up spending $200 million and like $50 million a year on Donovan Mitchell. And, and they, they can't end up sign with anybody situation. else. Yeah. Yeah. the situation kind of the Wizards are in. So it's like there's so many ways that this can go wrong and almost almost too few where they can go right, which is kind of how building championship teams is. There's so many things that go wrong and too few things that will go right. Sure. And I mean, and I think that uh, and, and there's also an age thing too. I mean, to go back to Joe Ingles a little bit, I kind of think – and. Um, I kind of think that the age, not that Joe Ingles is old. I mean, he's old by NBA standards, but I think that that's kind of catching up to him a little bit, especially with how many uh, minutes he's playing. I don't think that he has it in the tank anymore, and you got to fill that spot too. Yeah, I do think that Joe Ingles is feeling the increased pressure. I just think everyone is. Just yeah. The increased pressure, the increased minutes. Joe Ingles has taken more of a load and. I don't know if he was ever the kind of player who should be taking more of a load. Sure. And I mean, and not to go too far back into the schedule thing, but I mean, this schedule has not been kind. I mean, there was that stretch where we were in 13 different arenas in a span of two and a half weeks. I mean, that takes a toll on you. You're from airport to bus to hotel room to different arena to waking up at different times to play a game at a different time. Um, and, we're we're finally getting to the point where we're going to see this wind down so we could still hold out hope that you know with the schedule becoming easier that you know we kind of have this a little bit of rejuvenation especially with the home games coming up but at the same time I mean it's just another excuse I mean you're an NBA team you got to fight through this adversity yeah and that is the thing that worries me so much is that every the narrative around the jazz isn't the we need to take accountability for our actions it's the excuse making which i just i I can't get behind sure but i i mean and i don't really even see the players really doing that anymore i think it's i mean i haven't listened to a post-game interview in quite a bit but mostly because it's just like okay we lost i'm over it i just want to put this in the back of my mind but and I and again I I just don't know if they, if I'm hearing that anymore. I mean, obviously there was James Harden's blatant uh, double step back travel last night, and I loved Ru- Rubio's and Rudy's response to that. I thought it was beautiful. Um, but I mean, I don't really see them making any excuses anymore. And I mean, you got to give props to Donovan. Donovan always just he always finds the positives to take from a game. He always like 
you know, he'll hold himself accountable. He knows exactly what they did wrong. Um, same thing with Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder is going to be up, of utmost uh, faithfulness to his team and he's always going to commend them for the things they did right and he's always going to call them out for the things they didn't do uh, didn't do right so I, I, I don't know I mean I, I'm rambling at this point <laughs> well I mean one thing you bring up with the players if you ask the players like I said they are taking at least you know publicly they're taking accountability for their actions sure you know, Rudy Gobert saying we got to step up Joe Ingles you know, I, th- I think you brought this up a few episodes ago like you know are we going to wait until we're 19 and 28 again uh to do something like they're aware and they they're the kind of guys who will take accountability but you know my comment was kind of directed more at the media and kind of some of the front office where it just feels like there's this you know you know defend kind of message to fans like don't criticize too much just kind of wait and see we'll be fine um without any accountability you know there's no accountability for you know jay crowder needs to be starting you know the you know, something's got to change We've got to find a way. We're banging our head against a wall. We're trying the same thing over and over, and just expecting it to go differently. And that you know, once the schedule all you know the schedule gets easier, which you know it will, like you said, it's going to get easier by the end of the year. But suddenly, like all these problems are going to get magically fixed once the schedule gets easier. I mean, the Jazz win record, win loss record might be better, but that is not necessarily going to make them a better team. Right. Uh, so, I just, I think there needs to be you know, some accountability. Obviously, there's room for optimism. Despite all the, the pessimism I seem to have, I do agree that things are going to look better later in the season. I think the Jazz are going to finish with 40-plus wins. Because there is talent, there is ability on this team. Uh, even if there isn't trades and things like that, you know, there's enough potential on this team that we've seen that they'll, go on some sort of win streak and some sort of run late in the season, maybe even make the playoffs. I'm, I'm not sold on the fact the Jazz will miss the playoffs. So, but I will say, I said this several episodes ago, if the Jazz do the exact same thing that they did last year, they do it this year again, I think that's a bad thing in the long run, in the very long run. Yeah, so it, it's worth repeating right now. Because it makes me worried that the Jazz will once again think that everything's okay and they don't have mm. to change anything. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. It's going to be that false up. Oh, see, now it did work. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, this is another thing I've repeated. So the Jazz are trying to make the step from borderline contender to actual contender. And Utah's strategy has been, you know, that, that kind of patience, slowly pick up and build up pieces, that only gets you to borderline contender. That's where that will get you to the end, unless you're just blatantly lucky and just stumble into something, which the Jazz aren't probably aren't going to. They've stumbled into two awesome draft picks in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Lightning's not going to strike a third time. So the Jazz right. need to make, you know, an, an active change. I sure. I think... I mean, even the Golden State Warriors, who stumbled into three or four All-Stars, went out and got Kevin Durant. I mean, they don't have the best dynasty since, you know, like the Bulls. Um, so, I don't know where I'm going with this. Something needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, you mean you you have to strengthen you have to strengthen your team. That's just the way it is. And I and the and the Jazz as an organization are far too prideful to play for a lottery pick. 
you know, get that number one or two or three pick for the, in the lottery. They're not going to do that. We're never going to see the Jazz do that. So it, it, do you think there's an adjustment that the Jazz can make in their system? Do you think Quinn should try and make maybe go into the all-star break and kind of work with the team and say, hey, let's try and maybe pick up the pace a little more, maybe shoot fewer threes, more threes. Is there an adjustment do you think the Jazz could make that would, you know, like morph their identity a little bit? Obviously be a defensive team still because that is a core piece of their identity, but obviously something's got to change on offense. There's a switch in the system that can happen. Um, I think that they could probably not shoot as many threes as they are um, because, I mean, my goodness, they're taking about 20-some-odd threes a game and dropping so few here and there and then just all of a sudden blowing up another night. Uh, maybe try to shoot more mid-range. I don't know. I mean, pound it inside more. Don't turn the damn ball over. My God. Value every possession. That I think that's the number one problem for the Jazz right now is they're turning the ball over too damn much and if they're the ones forcing the turnovers they're not capitalizing on it on the other end I mean that's insane yeah I think part of that might just be their I mean inability to shoot so they can't take advantage of any turnovers if they're not you know making their shots and I'm kind of looking at this year versus last year if you look at their three-point attempts they've gone up relative to the league their rank last year was like 13th in three-point attempts this year it's eight and let's see another thing is like they're shooting more three-pointers and they're shooting more free throws but they're 26th in both three-point percentage and free throw percentage and they're pretty low in two-point attempts. So I think maybe that's something you're, you're kind of on there with uh, taking fewer threes in that they're really good at taking you know, two-point shots. They're one of the best at making those inside shots, and part of that's probably Rudy Gobert. So maybe go through Rudy Gobert a little bit more. When Derek Favors is in, go through him more because he's a great interior post as well and on the pick and roll. So, yeah, but that, that turnover is just... It's another thing, because you mentioned getting turnovers. The Jazz are second in steals this year in the NBA. They average nine a game. Yeah, that's nine nine steals a game. So at nine steals a game, even if they're two-point shots, I mean, my goodness, that's 18 points that you were missing out on, potentially missing out on. I mean, oh my gosh, I, the, the one, basketball 101 is if you get the turnover, you run that fast break. I know the Jazz aren't the fastest team, but my hell, it's not, I mean, it's not rocket science. You get a steal and you have an advantage, you push the ball. I don't know how many times I've seen them get a steal and just like stop and like let the team get back on the other end to set up their defense. That's not how you run transition. You don't let like you you have an advantage, you take advantage of it. If Quinn's system is built around advantage or it's called advantage basketball, why are we not taking advantage of that advantage? Yeah, it, it seems to contradict itself. And Seriously. Yeah, maybe it's just cuz that's kind of the way we were last year. The Jazz were a slow-it-down team. That's where they've been for, like, ever since Quinn Snyder got here. Yeah. it's It's been slow it down, let's get a half-court shot, let's get something going up, and maybe it's just the Jazz need to try and maybe force a few more shots, like, you know, I don't mean force, like, you know, put up a bad shot, but, like, press the advantage. 
uh, create something. Because I think maybe that's something they're just not quite as able to do is they're not creating as many, you know, as many good opportunities, or at least opportunities that they're built to take advantage of. Because when you look at the opportunities right now, we've we've discussed this before, where the Jazz are, you know, have, they have a lot of wide open shots, but they're the wrong wide open shots. You know, I, I'm going to get wide open threes all day when I go play pick up basketball. But that's the wrong open shot for me. The right one is when I'm next to the basket. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we're thinking you know, a wide-open three-pointer for Donovan Mitchell is what we need, but well, what Donovan Mitchell needs is a wide-open paint. You know, same as Rudy Gobert. So I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see anything. We're not going to see any of these changes, probably not, because Quinn Snyder doesn't listen to our podcast. At least, I don't think he does. Even if he did, he wouldn't. I mean, I don't think he would take too much <laughs> into heart what we've been saying. <laughs> Quinn, if you're listening, star Jay Crowder, take fewer three-pointers. Watch some Utah State basketball film. I really like how... I'd like to see the Jazz play more like Utah State because there's a lot of similarities there between the Jazz and the my Aggies. And... The way that uh, Utah State creates solid open shots for its players, despite not really being a good three-point shooting team, it, it's pretty nice. They're a high-scoring team, and uh, they they don't necessarily have these you know NBA talent guys. So that's so again, Quinn. If you're watching, watch a lot of Utah State uh, men's basketball film. <laughs> All right. Uh, any any final thoughts? Um, we we lost a we lost Quinn Snyder. Um, <laughs> he he turned it off. <laughs> yeah, I'm not listening to these freaking amateurs. Um, <laughs> I yeah I don't know. I mean we the nice thing is is we're not necess. I don't know. We're we're holding out hope because they're our favorite team and they're everything is gonna be. Just sparkles and rainbows when the season is over. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I've reached the point where I just, I need to be cynical about this, I think, to get myself through the rest of this season until things start to turn around, which I'm still hopeful that they will. But in the meantime, I'm not going to um, try to get too angry about things and just be cynical about it and laugh it off. I think the key is sometimes you can be cynical, but also just being constructive in criticism. Like here, you know, we try and be constructive. We don't scream and yell, oh, Ricky Rubio sucks, and you should get benched and kicked off the team and whatnot. You know, and, you know, we've been that. So being, you know, obviously I tend to be more pessimistic about my teams, but I try and be constructive in my criticism or at least, you know, offer. I, I try to offer. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a basketball genius, so obviously – Quinn's not going to listen to me, um, but I, I think that's the key for fans. It's not is we can be somewhat cynical. Like I think we've, we've kind of both fallen into that. Um, but you know, they're our favorite teams. So we can be nice to them sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to be behind them no matter what. I mean, it's still it's just it's frustrating, especially yeah. trying to like come up with talking points of to try and find something positive as either like something to look forward to or like 
you know, some kind of solution or picking what the Jazz did right. I mean, that's that's for Quinn and his staff to figure out as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's hard to record a podcast when it's just a lot of down and not a whole lot of up. Yeah, and some of this just comes with being a fan. There's, you know, sticking with the team. But, yeah, I, I think part of what makes the season hurt so much is that last year we had so much to look forward to, and now all of that has been crushed under – Oh, the biggest stone on top of the, the mountains. Uh, that was a terrible metaphor, but I'm going to move yeah, on. Yeah, that wasn't so good. Yeah, it's kind of like the Jazz shooting. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was probably it was all the bricks that uh, the Jazz were making they fell on top of it. Anyway. Hey, you know, they, they might be due for a new arena. They're just, you know, one brick at well, a time. Yeah, well, they've got all the bricks to do it by now, or at least they will by the end of the season. They'll have Shit. plenty of bricks. Yeah, they got to go pick them up in Mexico City. <laughs> they could have built a new, uh, you know, some some new building, whatever they need in Mexico. Either. I don't know what they need. I'm not an expert in foreign affairs. But anyway, before we get, I get too crazy and ramble a little too much. We're gonna go ahead and end this, and uh, uh, hopefully the Jazz find something to turn around. Like I said, there's maybe they can set new goals, reevaluate the season. We've offered plenty of advice. Uh, it probably isn't going to be taken into account, but, you know, maybe the Jazz will fi- figure out something. I don't know, maybe. I mean, one game at a time, man. you got Golden State tomorrow. Uh, we got Portland on Friday. we got OKC on Saturday. And Portland again on Christmas. Oh, and Philly uh, next Thursday. And then, oh, we round out in, uh, December with the Knicks. So we feasibly have one probably guaranteed game over the next uh, six games. There are no guarantees with this team. <laughs> just just none. We, we could lose by 40 to the Knicks, but we'll beat the Warriors by 60. I don't know. Some, something like that could just happen. All right. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. I'm Jason Walker, joined by Trey Sanders as always. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>